Here we go. It's Rumination Tuesday on Law and Gospel on this July the 12th in the year of our Lord, 2122. Oh, no. 2022. I'm a whole year ahead. Well, today we're going to be taking a look at a hymn, One Thing is Needful. So listen to the hymn right now. Thing Needful by Johann Heinrich Schröder. He was born October the 4th, 1666, near Hanover in Lower Saxony, educated at the University of Leipzig, studying under August Hermann Franke, one of the leading figures of pietism. Now, Schröder became a pastor in Messeburg, where he began his service in 1696, probably his 30th birthday. Earlier that year, Schrader married Sophia Wolf, and they had one daughter a year later who died soon after birth. Two years later, Schrader himself died in Messeburg on June 30th, 1699. One Thing Needful was first published in 1695. Now, our hymnal contains five of the original ten stanzas, and Schrader's understanding of concealed knowledge has not been universally shared by subsequent hymnal editors. It's the hymn for the day for proper 11. And it also is the day when the reading fits right with the hymn. So we'll go ahead and take a look at this hymn. And I'll ask Pastor Mark Smith, how familiar are you with this hymn? I am not. I am not either, Tom. I'm just afraid, you know, and I rarely pick a hymn if I'm not familiar with the, uh, the melody. Yeah, this is wow. quite a melody. Um eight seven eight seven one two one two one 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 one. Yeah. That's the kind of form it is. And it was well regarded. But it all depends. What are you preaching on on Sunday? I'm gonna be preaching on uh, the Mary and Martha text. 
Well, that's why you really need to use this hymn. I know. that's what verse 2 is all about. Right. That's right. But I've been, I've been uh, you know, I, I just... I just hesitate to pick a hymn if I'm not if I'm not at least somewhat familiar with it. Yeah, I tell you, I'm in a congregation and I keep track of every hymn I choose uh, on these four congregations I'm dealing with, and I hardly ever repeat a hymn. I've been at the one for over two years, and I think I've only repeated about four hymns. Uh, trying to do something new each time. And I tell you, we have a very good organist. She also plays the piano. And I don't think the congregation is going to have any trouble thinking, singing one thing's needful, particularly if it's done during the sermon hymn where you're showing them what verse 2 is so important. But each pastor is different. All right, without further ado, why don't you start with stanza one. Okay. One thing's needful, Lord, this treasure. Teach me highly to regard. All else, though at first give pleasure, is a yoke that presses hard. Beneath it, the heart is still fretting and striving, no true lasting happiness ever deriving. This one thing is needful. All others are vain. I count all but loss that I, Christ, may obtain. So it's kind of interesting that in this first stanza, the one thing needful is not explained. Is it? Well, uh, it, it, it becomes clear toward the, the, the last line, I count all but lost that I may Christ obtain. Christ is the one thing needful. And that's what Mary was uh, was seeking as she sat at Jesus' feet and listening to his word. So Christ is the one thing needful. Um, let's take a look. Stanza 2 may help us. I'll read that. Okay, here we go. How were Mary's thoughts devoted, her eternal joy to find, as intent each word she noted at her Savior's feet reclined. How kindled her heart, how devout was its feeling, while hearing the lessons that Christ was revealing. All earthly concerns she forgot, for her Lord and found her contentment in hearing his word. Now, what was that situation from the reading that we read? Well, of course, uh, Mary and Martha and, and their brother Lazarus. This was a family that Christ uh, often visited. Who knows how many meals these ladies prepared for him. Uh, he was, he was uh, being... Uh, uh, welcomed into their home that uh, that day. Uh, they lived in Bethany, which is just not too far at all from Jerusalem. And, uh, of course, uh, Martha was busy getting the meal prepared, uh, working in the kitchen, I suppose. 
And uh, Mary, on the other hand, was sitting at Jesus' feet, listening to him, hanging on his every word. And he was talking. You know, the context is uh, later on after this, uh, Jesus talks about the the Lord's Prayer, his prayer. And so uh, he... Who knows? He might have been talking about the Lord's Prayer while while she sat at his feet. Now Martha gets uh, she gets a little bit angry because she's left in the kitchen to prepare the meal. She she actually comes out and says, "Jesus, don't you care that my sister Mary is she's not helping me in the kitchen? Uh, tell her to help me." And he says, "No, no. Mary has chosen the most important part of this thing. One thing's needful." And Mary has chosen that part, and it will not be taken away from her. So what is the lesson that you would say you want to get across to the congregation? I say the one thing needful is Christ, and the one and the one thing needful to uh, the, the, the where we find Christ is in his word. But what's the lesson? What are we telling them? That they should do. Well, you're you're telling them to. I would say one thing is to come to church regularly, to study His Word, and uh, and to partake of His His uh, body and blood, because there you you get His Word too, of course. Um, So here's my question for you: Would you agree? that when you have the opportunity to hear God's word, you ought not be making a meal? I would say, <laughs> you know, there's always going to be the exceptional situation. Uh, well, there doesn't seem to be an exception in this story. Doesn't, doesn't seem to be an exception here, does it? But uh, no. I wouldn't, I guess what I'm saying is I wouldn't condemn I wouldn't condemn uh, uh, somebody who's uh, caught up in in uh, preparing for guests if it's a rare if it's a rare thing. But really, I, I have to agree with you. I think I think just about I can hardly think of an instance where uh, you shouldn't be uh, be at church if the if the word is being preached, as Christ is being preached. There's no other place you. Where else should you be? If you have guests that you're entertaining, bring them to church. But there's nothing in this story that is happening in church. This is happening in their house. So yeah. where do you get the the church thing? The church is where you get that's where you get Christ. You get Christ in his word. And where is the word preached? Where is the gospel preached but in church? There is. That's not the only place the gospel. That's preached. not the only place, of course. No, right. You're right. If if uh, wherever His Word is being taught, um, we should be listening to it. Absolutely. Now, of course, you know if it's your if you're talking about your private devotions, you can you can get those any other time. You could prepare a meal and and read the Bible at another time. But uh, if uh, if Christ is being spoken and shared, that's where you should be normally. Well, I'm leading you into a question that I, I kind know. of... You're always leading me, Tom. <laughs> trick you Just into... Like... Yes. So let, let me tell you what the trick is. Okay. KFUO is on 24 hours a day. Right. You can hear God's word 24 hours. Right. So how can you ever 
go ahead and if you're a man, cut the lawn instead or a woman make a meal or something. If the principle is when you're, when the word of God is available, you're supposed to listen to that rather than doing other things. Right. Well, that's not true because KFUO is on all the time. The word of God is always available. Obviously, obviously, that's right. That's right. And so how do you understand this, what Jesus is doing here? Where, where is the real problem? Where is the law? Oh, yeah. Uh, the law is... The law is is when you say you've got to be here. Uh, the, the gospel is, you know, come and come and hear. Uh, come take and eat. This well, is let me body. suggest is... a, another. Let me suggest another suggestion here. Is the law from this text is we are not to be disregarding God's word by blaming God for putting us in a vocation or a situation where we aren't getting help from somebody else. In other words, you, you really said it well. Martha, can you imagine saying this to God? Don't you care? Yeah, right. And then what does she do? She orders Jesus. So that's the point that I think is really critical in this text, is that we are not to be thinking that Jesus doesn't care, no matter yeah, what situation like, we're in. Yeah, that's like that's like when the, the, the when they were in a storm out on the Sea of Galilee, and the oh, disciple said, uh, "Don't you care that we're perishing?" <laughs> Excellent. Sleeping. That's yeah. right. Exactly, and. So the don't you care can come about whether you're in the presence of Jesus or whether you're hearing his word. And the fact of the matter is a Christian is always in the presence of Jesus. It, it really doesn't matter. But I, I tell you, I like watching YouTube and they have a program on there where things go wrong in people's lives. Like one individual was on a motorcycle and he was trying to cross a creek on a two by four. He was bragging to people he could do that. Well, he was about halfway across and the two by four broke and he fell into the water. And then he began to swear. And you know the words he would say. Oh yes. And uh, there were a whole number of situations. I, I couldn't believe how many times. Uh, and, and people would, one, one guy, there was a situation where things failed. And he says, oh, my God, oh, my God, like 10 times in a row. Yeah. And he didn't realize that that was swearing. Yes. This is what the problem here is with Martha. You could have seen her, and I know a lot of women that do this, my wife does, where she'll be cooking and still listening to the radio occasionally. Uh, she loves to hear the music on KFUO or other programs. And it's not wrong for her just to cook without hearing the word of God 
because she doesn't have that attitude. Don't you care, Jesus, that you put me in this situation? That's the attitude I think we need to get across to the congregation. It's Martha's sin. Martha was not sinning because she was preparing a meal. She was sinning because she wasn't also listening to Jesus when he was present with her and then said things about her that is idolatry. I mean, you don't say to Jesus, don't you care? Because his promises are he always cares. You don't give orders to Jesus. That's where Martha was a problem. And, and you mentioned another good thing that I, I think after this, Martha did begin to listen. Do you recall when Jesus went to heal Lazarus? Who did he meet on the road first when he finally got there? I think it was Martha. Excellent. Very good. Mary, Mary, stayed, Mary stayed home. And I've At always wondered time. about that. It's almost like, I don't know, Martha was the one out to come out and greet him. And what did Martha say? She said, I know that he, I know that if, if you had, let's see, if you had yes. been here, my brother would not have died. And even if, now, even now, she said, I, I know uh, you're capable. No, she didn't uh, say what, that. No, she said, she said, uh, I know whatever you want, God will give you. Yeah, she but she that? didn't expect Lazarus to rise from the dead. No, then. she didn't. No, she didn't. She, she, in fact, she knew that he, she knew that he would rise in the resurrection. But Jesus tells her, "Hey, I'm the resurrection and the life." But that's a very important point you just made. Where did she learn that he would rise in the resurrection? Oh, he was. She was obviously. She was obviously into into the scriptures and and also listening to Jesus too. That's really really important. In fact, it says in this verse we were looking at, while hearing the lessons that Christ was revealing. You see, he was saying things that nobody would have guessed. And he would have talked about the resurrection of the dead on the last day to Mary and Martha. And remember, that's what Mary also said when he got to the house. She said the same thing Martha said. If you had been here, Lord, he would not have died. Right. So they knew about the resurrection from the dead on Judgment Day, but now Jesus was revealing that he was the resurrection. In fact, he says a statement that many people cannot understand. He who believes in me will what? Never. Never die. Yes. Human beings don't understand that statement. No. Because death is all around them. What did Jesus mean by that? Well, he, he, our our soul goes right on living. Exactly. Our soul goes, we go. We our our soul goes. This very day, you'll be with me in paradise. So we go right to be with the Savior at death. We, well our said. soul goes right on living, and even our body is raised on the last day. Yes, it's raised from the dead, resurrection. It could even have been disappeared, like if it was in the ocean and a shark ate it or something like that, right. or animals right. ate it. 
It doesn't matter. God's going to bring it back. That's right. And so the one thing needful, I think, is not to chastise Jesus for your vocation, for your situation, not to get mad at him, as many, many people do when you take a look at things. In fact, I was watching a movie where the husband of a woman was murdered and the police thought she had murdered him. So they came to her house and they said, did you murder him? And she says, no, I did not. But she had an illicit affair with another man for a number of years. So the policeman said, but you cheated on your husband. And her response was, yes, but that's not as bad as killing him. And I'm shaking my head because I remember the Sermon on the Mount says even the thought of adultery, let alone the action, is equal to putting somebody to death. And hellfire is what they're going to gain apart from repentance. So that one thing needful is a proper attitude toward Jesus. It's not that you have to listen to him every time he's talking or else you would get nothing done in the household because KFUO is on the air 24 hours a day. All right, let's go to stanza three. Okay. Wisdom's highest, noblest treasure, Jesus, is revealed in you. Let me find in you my pleasure and my wayward will subdue. Humility there and simplicity reigning in paths of true wisdom, my steps ever training. If I learn from Jesus this knowledge divine, the blessing of heavenly wisdom is mine. And I think the most important phrase here to fit with what I'm trying to say here, let me find in you my pleasure and my wayward will subdue. See, that's what the problem with Martha was, mm -hmm. her wayward will. She was on a different you know, way. You know, it is interesting when you think about it. Uh, I'm thinking about what you said. Jesus nowhere, you know, Martha is... Uh, fretting around in the kitchen, preparing the meal, but Jesus nowhere criticizes her for that at all. No, very good. Not a bit. Not until you're right. He does not. He does not uh, criticize her until she raises the issue about her sister. Exactly, and she really raises the issue about Jesus. Yeah. Here he's probably telling wonderful things about being the righteousness of both of them, and then she complains that he doesn't care. Now, those houses weren't that big, so no. there's no way that she wouldn't be hearing what Jesus is saying while she's preparing a meal. So it's not that she wasn't within earsight, but she couldn't stand that her sister wasn't helping her and therefore blame Jesus. That's the lesson that I think we need to get across to congregational members. How many times we blame God for the situation we're in. All right, read stanza four, please. Nothing have I 
Christ to offer. You alone, my highest good. Nothing have I, Lord, to proffer, but you, but, but your crimson-colored blood. Your death on my cross has death wholly defeated, and thereby my righteousness fully completed. Salvation's white raiments I there did obtain, and in them in glory with you I shall reign. That was an attitude that Mary had. It was not an attitude that Martha had. She just didn't realize fully about this righteousness that had fully been completed and that the white raiments of salvation she already had obtained. And with that kind of thinking to criticize Jesus because of her situation, that's where the problem is in this reading. All right. Can you go to stanza five, our last one? You bet. Therefore, you alone, my Savior, shall be all in all to me. Search my heart and my behavior. Root out all my hypocrisy. Through all my life's pilgrimage, guard and uphold me. In loving forgiveness, O Jesus, enfold me. This one thing is needful. All others are vain. I count all but loss that I, Christ, may obtain. That's really a critical verse because she says, Search my heart and my behavior. Root out all my hypocrisy. You see, I really believe that Schrader understood the, the true meaning of the Mary and Martha, that the problem was the hypocrisy on the part of Martha. Uh -huh. And so the one thing needful is to trust in Jesus, not just listen to him, but to trust what he has to say and never condemn him as not caring. Yeah. So that, yeah. that's pr pretty well where I'm at with this Mary and Martha thing. Hmm. Something yeah, to I'll think have about. To, I'll, have to, I'll have to think about that a little bit more. <laughs> yes. But it's, a, it's, a good, it's a good insight, I must say. Well, it's right out of the text, and we see the difference in Martha at the raising of Lazarus. When Lazarus is raised from the dead, neither Martha nor Mary are thinking that that was impossible. But yeah, there they, were some who were really angry. Who were really angry with that? Well, the, the, it's with the resurrection of Lazarus that the Jesus' adversaries, like the, the Sanhedrin, the high priest, all those guys started gathering together and plotting how they can get rid of him. That was the last straw. When, when he well, raised Lazarus. And, you know, they never deny it. They never deny it happened. That's what's interesting. They can't deny it because so many people witnessed it. But they said, we've, we've got to get rid of him. It's, don't you understand? It's, it's necessary that this one man die rather than the whole nation perish. They didn't deny it, but they no. blamed it on Beelzebub. Yeah. Tricking. Interesting. Well, thanks so much for going through the lesson with us. Uh, blessings on your sermon this Sunday. 
And we'll be back tomorrow with Proverbs. Till then, God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your checkout to Law & Gospel and mail to Law & Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. Or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.